You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're going to talk about Deftones' new album. So when we recorded uh, episode 8, which was our first episode about Deftones and the 20-year anniversary of White Pony, we had no idea that another album was going to be coming later this year and that we would definitely need to speak about them again and give them their own episode again. I mean, to be fair, they deserve their own episode every time an album comes out. They do. They they really do. And this one is definitely no exception. And and what's more is they're still tentatively planning to release the White Pony remix album called Black Stallion sometime before the year's out. Now, I don't think we can justify... I don't think we'll have the bandwidth <laughs> to give them a third episode. But if that does come out, I'm at least going to like mention it a little bit on one of these episodes. I'm sure we will. Well, it depends on how good it is. But yeah, I agree. It's supposed to be a, a track by track, the same listing as White Pony um, of other artists doing remixes of it. And so, you know, it's probably going to be more in that electronic. I know DJ Shadow was a name that they talked about. and But, you know, I, I pretty much trust Deftones at this point. So even a remix album of theirs sounds interesting to me. Is this their ninth studio album? This is their ninth studio album. So if it wasn't for Eros and the, I guess that Nix, that album getting nixed, this would technically be their 10th album. Indeed. And of note, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this is important. Uh, we mentioned in the previous Deftone episode their relationship with uh, Terry Date, the producer. And the last time that they worked with him was in 2008 on Eros, and which, as you mentioned, never never came out. And so this was the guy who produced basically all of their early big hit albums. And so this is their reunion with him. You know, it's, it's crazy. Cause it always, you know, it's always one of those things that the album that never was. And I think there's a couple of bands with albums like that. Like I remember power man, anyone for doomsday, if I remember correctly, never got released or got nixed at the last moment. It was never released in the U S it did. It does exist. And it might actually be my favorite power man album, which is weird. <laughs> But it was it was super like delayed forever and ever. Weezer has an album that's the same way. It's called uh, Songs from the Black Hole. And I don't remember what exactly happened, but it was this concept they were working on. And somehow it just got nixed and never returned to. So it's a lost album. And I mean, I think they had the, they had good reason at the time to pull Eros because of the accident for their bassist Chi. But they basically after that had kind of gone on saying that uh, this was and is a purely creative decision by the band to write, record, and deliver an amazing product. But that was the the reason why they held off on it, because they didn't feel like it was an amazing product, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, that's up to them. Who knows if they'll ever return to Eros and try to salvage, I guess would be the word, something that they feel is really doing honor to Chi and worth putting out or not. If they don't, I'm not going to hold it against them, like I said. But if they do, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's, you know, they got nine other albums to fill the fill the void of, of wanting to hear more Deftones. But yeah, I, I I agree that I would always love to hear more, and especially since it was some of the last stuff that she worked on. If you had to place a wager, do you think we'll ever hear anything from that, from those recordings or not? I personally do, because, I mean, Deftones did release the one album called B-Sides and Rarities, 
I would I would feel that event you know eventually they'll probably go down that path and the, maybe not the entire album but at least release some of the songs that they feel comfortable with, like maybe use a track a like one or two particularly good completish tracks on on something like that on maybe a, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe I, a greatest hits or a, or another rarities collection or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I would think was with another like rarities type of uh, album that they decide to put out. Because obviously it's it's rare stuff we've never heard. Of. Yeah. Or probably like a Static X situation where if like another member of the band passes away, unfortunately, then they decide to release other tracks. I don't jinx them, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I was just using a comparison. I don't want it to happen. All right. So to the album at hand here, this one came out like I said, kind of out of nowhere. Like they started teasing the idea that they were going to release release new music in like early mid-august so they would put some like cryptic stuff out on social media and fans were trying to figure out what it was then they released like they found out that it revealed the word ohms and which ended up being the name of the first promotional single and then the album itself and then all of that happened between those first like teasers and the album coming out in like six weeks you know technically this album wasn't really something that just dropped on us it's something that chino's actually teased since 2017 and he did state that, um, you know, Gore came out in 2016 and Chino stated that he would be taking a step back from the lead songwriting and allow Stephen Carpenter, who's their guitarist, and Abe Cunningham, the drummer, to be more involved in the material in the new album. And I definitely think that you can tell that with listening to this album. Yeah, because it, it kind of went back to their earlier albums as opposed to, I felt like Gore kind of was more focused on the electronic sounds more than the actual instruments and on this album it kind of reversed back to some of their earlier work and for me you know you got you got to remember that gore came out right after chino's side project with the band crosses and crosses is kind of a completely different thing it's a lot like a lot more electronic like you said it's pretty good for the and, record in case anybody wants to listen to that i just want to insert in your opinion <laughs> If you if you dig a sound that is a little deftonesy but quite different, crosses works. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, in your opinion, uh, anyway, Dang. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was okay, <laughs> but it was a lot more artsy, and I don't really know what that exactly means. It's just it's just I felt it was more. I guess he was trying to be a little bit more creative and just be artsy, and I think that's why Gore was the way it was. But the other thing is too is that you know I, was, I read an interview with Stephen Carpenter. And he said that he just felt more inspired this band because he, he just dug a lot of the stuff that was being brought to him as opposed to Gore. He was really just kind of uninterested and, and really didn't have his head in the game, so to speak, when making that album. That's exactly what I was going to point out. It's, it's pretty well documented that Stephen Carpenter was checked out, basically, during the Gore recordings and that whole time period. And you can certainly tell by the result of that and kind of like Casey was saying they focused more on electronics his guitar was not nearly as uh at the forefront as it usually is yeah and I think it suffered for it we've talked about that before that it's certainly among the least favorite of their albums for the itch yeah and I I really think that this band goes as Stephen Carpenter goes I mean he is one of my favorite people in all of rock he's his guitar lines are some of the greatest in in all of uh heavy metal um and maybe you, you know, might not consider them exactly heavy metal uh but just metal in general and 
you know, when Diamond Eyes came out, that was one of the Edge's favorite albums to date. And there's no doubt that it was because of all the guitar lines. And it was the repetitive heavy lines that just uh, you could just jam out to. And th- those are my favorite types of songs. And there's a lot of that within this album, Ohms. Can I r- just real briefly tie in that I'm still to this day um, amazed and impressed that, that Diamond Eyes, which like, as kind of you just said, it might be my favorite Deftones album. It's certainly in that top tier. That was the one that they made with Sergio Vega as their kind of comeback after uh, after Cheese Accident. She was still alive, and, and their bassist was in a coma, and they were dealing with that weight on their shoulders and still managed to put out an album as fantastic as Diamond Eyes during that time. That that still kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's definitely impressive. But, you know, everybody uses music for for different things and there's no doubt that a lot of people use it to vent uh to to express their feelings and and i think that that could have been one reason why it it was so good yeah and so this one i've heard it said in in a couple of interviews that that ohms almost feels like a greatest hits album of its own because you hear so much of the stuff that you've loved from previous Deftones albums and it seems like they really zoned in and took like the best of what they do and created just a solid 10 tracks here, like start to finish. I can point out one or two that to me are kind of weak spots, but that's really it. Yeah. It's quality and it's the full like expanse of what they do as a band throughout these songs. I would agree with that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I felt that way. I didn't even know that that was one thing that they had said, but like, I just felt that way listening to the album. I said, I seriously was listening to it and I was like, wow, this could be off a self-titled this, you know, this could be off of one of their earlier albums. And, yeah, the whole entire album is it's Deftones. There's no doubt about it, but you feel like it, it could be, on you know, stuff that's just was left off of other albums that all made it to this album and made it for a fantastic album. And every time I listened through this album, I feel like I noticed that more and more. I would I would be able to differentiate tracks and say, OK, I see what they're throwing in right here and how different it is than the track before and after it and how they kind of ebb and flow throughout different elements of their songs like you they're known for their like these more atmospheric kind of things and chino with his real like spacey otherworldly voice and then other tracks where he's like yelping and barking (laughs) and that so like just that's just vocally that's not even including necessarily the the music behind it but the way that they alternate and fluctuate is really cool And, and just just to be clear these tracks are not leftovers and did not come from those other albums. No. They're all new. <laughs> this is just, this really feels like a thing where they were able to like channel like their highlights from, from previous eras and like just merge them into one thing. Then to my ears, it sounds fantastic for it. Yeah. That's pretty much how I took some of the, the tracks on it. Cause it, it just felt like, Oh, well this took us back to this album. Exactly. Listening to the album as, as a whole, the first time through, I was, doing the radio show for as long as we have and doing the flavor of the week as we're presenting it currently, you always think of, you know, the three to four songs and there's actually, there's actually (laughs) two sets of groupings of three that I picked out that could be flavor of the week by itself. And that would be for me, track two ceremony, track three, Urantia, and then track four, Error. And then the next grouping of three would be This Link is Dead, track seven, Radiant City, track eight, and then 
Headless Track 9. Oh, you were, we were so close to being on the exact same page on that one. Uh, on, on my first listen through this album, the tracks that stood out was 2 through 4. Actually, it was 2 and 4. Ceremony and Error, I immediately loved. And Urantia, I didn't love at first, but then the more I listened to the album, the more I loved it. And then uh, Pompeii, track 6. I'm going to say it's pronounced Pompeii. If I had a second block, it would be Pompeii into This Link is Dead into Radiant City. So we were we were that close to being spot on for a, <laughs> a, a consecutive track flavor of the week right there. Yeah. See, I I think that's crazy because like we obviously have different tastes because one of my favorite tracks on this whole entire album is track five, The Spell of Mathematics. And I don't think you got either one of you just mentioned it. Can I? <laughs> I love that you love that one because that to me is my actual least favorite track on the whole album. So <laughs> it's kind of a good thing. If, if, if that's the weak spot to me, but you're like, that's my jam, then this is probably a good album. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and see yet, yet again, I'm in the middle. I, I liked the song, but it, it didn't quite stick out as the grouping of three that I mentioned previously. It, it's the first, it was the first track going through the album that doesn't, that didn't really catch me. And it's also, I'm going to keep listening to this album. Some of the albums that we listen to, I'll be honest, I don't really go back to. This is probably one I'm going to go back to multiple times. So if you talk to me in a couple of weeks, Spell of the Mathematics might be in the top half. I don't know for sure. Well, like I said earlier, I absolutely love when Deftones just jams out. And there's no doubt that I really feel that this song was probably written by Abe Cunningham, or at least he brought the music, because the end of the song, just the drums in it are sick. Mm. And like just the, the chemistry between Stephen Carpenter's guitar line and the, the drums in this song are, are just one of the reasons why I absolutely love it. Like, it's just it's just an amazing track. And I think that it has one of the few drum solos I've ever heard in a Deftones song. They actually do a couple things here that they are not really known for doing. And so that drum solo might be one of them. Uh, Urantia has this like shreddy like thrash metal this like really fast like chugga, 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 like yeah i'm not quite sure how to even do it but in the pre-chorus that is not something that i feel like happens very often in deftones music but it's really cool and especially with this like synth kind of sounds playing behind it it's just a beautiful track and going back to we mentioned latin in the seether episode <laughs> do you know what urantia means there's a couple of different meanings I do not. I would like to know. I'm glad that you think about these things to look them up. <laughs> it's mostly because I want to n- not mispronounce things. <laughs> oh, good. So I always I always look things up because I want I want to hear how how it sounds. So I just don't make th- things in error. But uh, there's a couple of different meanings. One is it's a word derived from an ancient language meaning your place in the heavens. Ooh, nice. And the other meaning is it's a different meaning for the word earth. That's pretty cool. Okay. Which would make sense too, you know, especially since they're kind of, uh, wasn't there an album that like focused on earth? I can't remember. There was a track called Hole in the Earth on a previous uh, album. Saturday Night Wrist, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. So maybe it wasn't an entire album, but. (laughs) Dan picks up on those repeated word themes here and there. (laughs) uh... i obviously do because i mentioned something about they you know they also have swerve city and then on this album they have uh and swerve city is from koino yokan which i just probably not pronounced right but uh and then on ohms they have radiant city swerve city is probably my favorite song on that album i would put that one on in my car and just like 
headbang while I'm driving to the point where I probably should stop doing that. Because you're swerving? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Like, yeah, play this song while you're driving and you will be in Swerve City. And Radiant City sounds like a much more pleasant place to be. And it's also a, a fantastic track on, on this album. Which also, where you were talking about kind of the interweaving of of like drums and, and guitar line, I think, in, in one of the other tracks. And Radiant City, I love when the Deftones grab you with a bass line right off the bat. And that one does that. It's instantly a favorite whenever that track comes on. Yeah, there was a lot of tracks that were very heavy on the bass, which was kind of a departure from gore. But I enjoyed that very much. My favorite Deftones track of all time is My Own Summer. That was really my introduction to the band. Yeah. And it's one of the handful of bass lines that I learned as a high schooler that I can still play from memory today. And so I have a major like soft, soft spot. spot. <laughs> yeah, for, for Deftone bass lines, whether they're they're Chi or Sergio. You know, you guys were mentioning how you like the songs, you know, in the, in the groups of three. When I was listening to this and... I, and I've listened to this album probably uh, more than 10 times at least. Nice. <laughs> uh, it, I, you know, it's, it's already quickly moved up to one of my favorites for the year. But when I listened to the album, I actually was more impressed with like every other song. I, I am Genesis is probably one of my favorites. And then you got track three. You're, I don't even know how that's pronounced. Urantia. Yeah. I'm a, we call it that. Uh, that. That's how you say it. Track five was fantastic with the spell of mathematics. The link is dead. And then headless, but I'd also throw in ohms too. That's where the whole thing gets thrown off because it's nine and ten. But uh, <laughs> ohms is probably my favorite track on the whole album because I really love that soft intro. Mm. And you're kind of it almost like throws you off, and then all of a sudden, like the song comes in, and you're just like, oh, okay, okay, this is normal Deftones. I like it. The <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly how I thought. Like the first time, so so answer me this: Did you like ohms the first time you heard it, or did it take a while to grow? It definitely took a while to grow okay. on me because, you know, when it starts off, you're just like, this is not your typical Deftones. Yep. And then and then it like it kind of builds into it and it gets a little bit slower. But it, it reminds me so much of uh, it reminds me of their self-titled album. And not a lot of people love that album, but it was one of my favorites. Mm. Every song on the self-titled, I felt oh, kind of built throughout the whole thing and then and to that chorus. And I don't really think there was many hooks in this album and ohms. As opposed to the self-titled album, I actually thought there were a lot of hooks in that one, but I, I did feel that Ohms had had a decent hook for the uh, chorus, and that's one reason why I think I liked it a lot. That's kind of exactly how I felt. So, like the first time I heard Ohms, it, it really takes you off guard with that intro guitar because it's like you said, it's very unlike their typical sound. And so I was listening to that, and I'm like, oh no, is this going to be, you know, a disappointing album? Just like based on that first like minute or two. But then it becomes much more familiar very quickly, but still kind of sounding unique. And so it really, I agree with you, it became a highlight of the album and a really interesting choice as a closer because it's almost like upbeat and happy sounding, at least by at <laughs> least by Deftone standards. It's about as cheery as they ever sound. And so I thought that was a really interesting way to close the album. Like that's the last thing that you have from this this collection of songs. It's also very interesting because it was their first single off the album, too. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a, an interesting choice for a first release. Um, at first, I didn't think it was a good one. But now, after listening to the album more, I, I get it. I, I like it. Agreed. It also 
this album does something that I love. I'm a sucker for, and Ohms is definitely one of them. It kind of flows out of the track before it headless, not so much as like a necessary segue, but some bands are particularly good at sequencing their stuff to where there's kind of just smooth transitions or there, you don't sound like you're listening to a song and then a song and then a song. You feel like you're listening to a complete experience. And they do that on a lot of tracks here to where one will end and the next one will begin. And you might not even notice it necessarily. Yeah. They did that a couple times on this album. It's usually a good thing to, in my opinion, and they do it very well. Yeah. Every time I listen to the album Ohms, like there's no doubt that Stephen Carpenter is vital to this band and he has to be, uh, he has to have interest in order for it to be a good album. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a lesson that we have learned. Keep Stephen entertained and engaged <laughs> if you want him to, to give you a sick album. <laughs> give the man a joint. Or, or that, also an option. I'm sure. Uh, if you, yeah. It's, I think I've said this before, but you like, did. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, if you ever seen him in an interview or whatever, he's always got a joint in his hand. And so he just needs to be high. He just needs to be inspired. <laughs> you have figured the man out. Yes. <laughs> okay. Can I tell you guys, uh, there's a thing they do on ceremony that I adore. And I don't know if it's just not a thing that bands really do that often, or if it's just not a thing that I am paying enough attention to pick up on, but I love whenever, um, a vocalist can sing something and the way that they're singing it matches what they're singing, if that makes sense. So the track ceremony, like the chorus of it is him going, it's an illusion. It's all an illusion. And it sounds to me like someone would be like, you're getting very sleepy. Like, <laughs> like he's trying to hypnotize you or can, he sounds like a magician trying to trick you while he says it's all an illusion. The Wayne's world. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm going to name drop somebody right now. There's a band that, or an album that particularly stood out to me as doing this, and it's been forever ago, so who knows where it came from. But Thornley had an album called Come Again, I think. Yep. It was, it was like, I don't know, 03 or 05 or something a, a while ago. Yeah, it was 03, I think. And, he, and Ian Thornley was really good at doing that same thing. You could The way that he sung a lyric and the lyric itself matched up a lot. And so I just wanted to you know throw a shout out to Chino for... I just envision him singing that song and like waving his fingers at you. Like he's putting you to sleep or something. <laughs> it's all an illusion. <laughs> also makes me think of arrested development, but <laughs> it's an illusion, Michael. Okay. What else you guys got? Ah, uh, I don't know. That's pretty much it. <laughs> You're spent on the album. <laughs> I'm done. I just much rather, you know, I just, I just enjoy listening to it. Like it's, it is a solid album from start to finish. I will say that I don't know if I would like automatically put it at number one, but I definitely think it's going to be like number the top five of, of my list anyway for 2020. I would agree with you there. You mentioned uh, you, you were a fan of this link is dead, which uh, I've mentioned in previous episodes that there are some song titles that just seem to go with a band. And this link is dead to me is just a very Deftones name for a track. And I can't describe why that is or why it makes sense, but it does to me. I don't know if, if that rings a bell with you guys at all, but 
Well, I felt like that was actually the case for most of the songs on this album. Like, You're like, yeah, that's definitely a oh, Deftones song. <laughs> yeah, Ohms, like, come on. Like, that just, it's, it seems like something that would have come, like, the name itself seems like something that would have come off of Gore because they just had some weird song titles on that album. <laughs> oh, man. Gore had two tracks that had slashes in them. Not par- parenthetical ones, as we mentioned in the AWOL Nation episode way back when. <laughs> but slashes. There was a prayers slash triangles and hearts slash wires. Also of note, did you know that Jerry Cantrell showed up on that album? Because that's yep. a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah, I did know I that. didn't know that. It's been a long time since I listened that deep into Gore. Usually I turn it off pretty quick. And that was pretty much my favorite song on the album, and that was it. Ah, this Phantom Bride? Yeah. It's a very rare uh, occurrence to have a guest guest uh, anything on a Deftones album, by the way. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. They They're pretty selective about that. But anyway... Yeah, they're they're known for for they just have a style with their naming, and this album was certainly no exception. This link is dead. Also, has one of my favorite moments. There's an intensity uh, in this part of the song where he's he's yelling "You're on your own." That whenever I listen to it, I'm just like, when these guys play another show, that one's going to be amazing for the pit. <laughs> That's what I was listening to, like. <laughs> My, I think my first listen, I was listening kind of like Casey mentioned, like subconsciously thinking about Flavor of the Week tracks. And then after that, I was like, how would this one be live? And that one would be a cool one live. It's funny because we had different thoughts when listening to this uh, for radio purposes. I was actually thinking this is the one song that I think is the only song actually on this entire album that would require editing. Yeah. Yeah, this Link is Dead, which is so that's a, a pretty clean Deftones album. Not that they're like filthy, but they have their moments. They, yeah, I was going to say, they can be. Yeah, and and so they kept it to a minimum on this one. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of curse words in, in the Slink is Dead. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's just, I like I really just, just enjoy this a lot, uh, this whole album. Personally, I don't know about Genesis as an opener, and I know Dan mentioned it being a favorite. To me, that one's never fully grabbed my attention. It might be towards the bottom of of the list for me. And I also kind of wondered in listening to it, Maybe you guys can try this. Maybe a listener can try this if you feel like it. Seeing what the album sounds like if you swapped the first and last tracks. I'd be very curious to see what the experience would be like for Ohms to lead it off with that weird guitar that throws you off and its happiness. And then to finish the album with a track called Genesis, which to me feels also like a Deftones thing to do because Genesis means beginning. And so, (laughs) you know, I'll, I'll be quite honest. Like I, I didn't, have high hopes for this album until I heard Genesis. And the reason for that is because, like I said, I, I'm a huge fan of when Deftones just rocks out to a guitar line. They mm-hmm. find a guitar line and they just they just rock out to it. Uh, and they did that in Genesis. And so I was kind of grateful because, yeah, we, we like I like Ohms, but it took me several listens to really, really get into that song. But, you know, when Genesis was released, I, I heard it pretty, pretty quickly. And that's that's what really got me excited and kind of pumped up about this album coming out. I'll definitely give you that Genesis does a good job of reminding you about all the things that Deftones can do, like in one song, because it kind of has the verses kind of have this like sludgy riff and a lot of like screaming and yelling. And then they go into like the pre-chorus and the chorus where he's doing that like spacey singing and like harmonizing. And you kind of get some more of the like, you get more of like like Frank Delgado's work because they're keyboardist. And so it's like everybody kind of shows off at some point, like a different thing that Deftones do in that same track. Yeah. And so it serves as a good reminder of like, hey, we're actually, 
you know, back in at full strength right now. It's kind of like a Frankenstein piece together song. Kind of. I mean, to me, it definitely, like I said, it incorporates a lot of what they do well. You know, I didn't know this either, but I just read that apparently this is the first album in which Stephen Carpenter utilizes a nine string guitar. Hmm. Yeah. Have have you ever seen so, a nine string guitar? Because that is a trippy thing right there. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I actually was wondering that because I've seen 12 string guitars, but I've not, I don't, I'm going to have to look this up because I'm quite curious. Now, let me, let me, this is funny to me. A nine string guitar per Wikipedia is used by guitarists to modify the sound or expand the range of their instrument. Because if there's one thing that Deftones need, is just have an expanded musical range. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to him because because that was sarcasm. They're they're all kinds of wild with the sounds that they make. Kudos to him to for using that. And I don't know which track or tracks it's on. Maybe a listener can fill us in in our ignorance. But it's pretty. And awesome. it's crazy because if you look at like notable people who've used nine string, like nobody in the rock industry has done this. Like, at least not anybody of note, I should say, because all these people that are listed on this site, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> the, the only people I can see, um, the guy from Jethro Tull is about the only notable name that I see. And, and again, probably wrong on that. We're not experts on nine string guitars. And so we don't know who's used it when. But I'm just basing my information off of Wikipedia. So always, always the most reliable resource. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, people have used Wikipedia to get backstage to to different shows and stuff. So what? It's definitely reliable. A, oh yeah, you've never heard about is that. Is this a trick we could start doing when shows are a thing? Yeah, you just update the Wikipedia to show that you're like related to the band somehow, and <laughs> you just show it to the security guards. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is how the itch will be uh, procuring interviews going forward. <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. We will not be doing that. I am Stephen Carpenter's younger cousin. Don't don't I look like him? I, mean, come on. I clearly look like. I have Stephen a joint in my hand and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I brought one for him. I mean, he, he's clearly expecting me. <laughs> and Steven comes out and he's like, yeah, actually, let that guy back here. <laughs> probably would. Actually. He probably would. As long as you gave it to him. You know, one thing I... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So one thing I did want to mention, because we've talked about album covers a lot mm. in their show. What, what do you guys make of this album cover? <laughs> I don't care for it visually. I like the story behind it and like, the way that it's made and what they did with it as part of their marketing. But I don't care for it that much visually. Please explain. So whenever they were kind of promoting the album right before it's released, they they did this thing called adopt a dot because this whole image is dots. It's like 13,000 dots. It's one of those kind of graphics. They started this thing called the adopt a dot campaign where anybody could, could like purchase, I guess, one of the dots on the artwork. And then a photo of them would appear on it as part of this like thing that they put online that you could see. And then all the money that they made from that, they donated uh, to a children's hospital. And so I can get behind like, and, and some kind of, Oh, uh, and crew nation, this relief fund. So I can get behind like making sort of an interesting game and like charitable thing out of your artwork. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I respect that. Now a, as a piece of artwork, I much prefer diamond eyes or the self-titled one or a white pony you know what it looks like to me what's that it looks like one of those pillows where you uh like <laughs> wipe your hand across and then it it makes a different image <laughs> a sequel yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> now that yeah 
that's kind of a i wonder if anybody's done that if they haven't you got to think it's coming <laughs> they actually made like a sequin album cover that'd be kind of cool i mean you get multiple covers out of it if you play your cards right that's true <laughs> i don't think that that was it but i i totally see what you're saying <laughs> well i just now noticed that like a lot of their a lot of their album covers actually have like uh women on them they do they like to put women on the cover the uh around the fur and uh oh, said saturday night wrist right yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. so i guess two of their two of their ten <laughs> and they and they obviously have an obsession with animals too because on diamond eyes it's an owl on gore it's i, I don't know what the heck those are like swans or some <laughs> crap like swans or some crap <laughs> <laughs> some bird it's just some damn bird <laughs> that's the alternate name of the album <laughs> I, I truly think they are swan or not swans i'm sorry flamingos, flamingos or I something meant. yeah yeah that's <laughs> swans flamingos whatever what the, who cares can i just tell you like white pony is just to, that's a, just an amazing album cover to me it's just gray and a white pony that's it <laughs> and, and it's like iconic and they got this like beautiful like pony logo out of it that they've been able to milk forever since then like what kind of it's just this amazing simplicity that they really really got a lot of mileage out of i, I just i just think it's a great looking album my favorite album cover of theirs by far is their self-titled album because it's i don't know it's just like it's beautiful in itself it's a skull with some beautiful flowers like roses behind it and it just i don't know it's just crazy to me I remember hearing way back when, when that album came out, that if you look closely in there, you can actually see like part of that skull design is like the band members. Yeah, it might be the teeth, yeah. maybe the cheekbones there too. Uh, as I'm looking at it now, I don't know. Yeah, the cheekbones are definitely somebody. Yeah, and, and I never looked that much into it to to like really explore that, but it's a kind of a cool concept. It really that, that's a really cool album cover as well. They they do pretty decent on that, and they also have their own like Deftones font. Yeah, that is, shows up yes. on a lot of their albums. That that kind of cursive font that looks really cool. Yep. Yeah, the least favorite album cover is Adrenaline with the baby mucus sucker. The booger thing. sucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Adrenaline has a booger sucker on the front. <laughs> uh, I never even I, that had escaped my mind until right now. <laughs> yep, it's totally a booger sucker. <laughs> Those things are gross too, man. Like even when I had to use them, I hated them. Why, guys? Why the bugger sucker? Come on. <laughs> Why you got to do that to us, Deftones? Oh wait, hold on. I got one more for you. It appears to be a woman on the cover of the covers album as well. Yeah, which will give you three. You're right. So okay. So there you go. There's a third one. Very nice. But we're we're kind of off the reservation now in terms of <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I will say one final note on the Ohms cover that is kind of cool is that um, apparently a lot of fans thought that that was supposed to be Chi or some type of kind of tribute to Chi because I guess the eyes sort of resemble his, which the Deftone said was wasn't actually the case. But it is kind of cool that people would see that there. Yeah, that is neat. So I kind of respect that. So. Maybe maybe we'll avoid the ranking game, but but at nine albums into Deftones' career, plus you know the B sides, collections, and covers and whatnot, which you can count or not count because there's quality stuff on them. But either way, would you say Ohms is top tier? Like I said, you don't have to go like, okay, this is number one, two, or three, but like here are my favorite albums of theirs. Would you put it in that top level, or would it be a notch or two down? It's yeah, I think I think it's it's either right at the top tier or 
right below the middle tier or like the top of the middle tier. The second tier? Yeah. <laughs> the top of the second tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. However you want to say okay. that. Yeah, okay. For me, I would say it's in the top half of their albums. If they if they have nine, I'd say it's in, it's top four, top five. Okay. Yeah. But we're also talking, we note that we're talking about a band that is so consistent with their quality in general that their their weaker albums are still far better than a lot of bands' best albums. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Gore was... Uh, eh, was I didn't say the bottom of the barrel was better than... But so to me, the Deftones albums that I don't really want to listen to are Gore and Adrenaline because Adrenaline, they were just, it was a little, it was their first album. It's just a little bit too different and and it's not necessarily bad. It's just not my thing, but I feel like they kind of became who they were going to be at like around the fur and then perfected it at White Pony. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why I absolutely love this album so much is because I felt their last two albums were probably their weakest. Like, you know, there's a couple tracks that I love off of Koi no Yokan, but it, it was not my favorite. And then they followed up with Gore, and I was just like, man, I think this band's lost it. And they're like, no, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't. We <laughs> promised you. We didn't. <laughs> I, could, I could feel you on that. Koi was, was, um, was, it was pretty good to me, but it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. There was definitely, like we talked about, Swerve City and a couple other tracks that I thought were just astonishing. And then there was some, some pretty, for, to me, forgettable, passable stuff. But, it is greatly refreshing whenever a band uh, you think might be on their way out is like, nope, we're good. We're, we're, we're still here. Excuse the hiccups. Uh, well, and it, I think it kind of goes like w- with what we said about Stephen Carpenter. I mean, he, he seemed to slowly be checking out and then he, and they're like, here, well, why don't you write some songs? He's like, oh, okay, cool. I can do this. Let me, let me break out a new instrument and play this nine string right. guitar that I've never played before. <laughs> so the new trick is we just need to give him new guitars with more strings for every album. Next album, you're playing on a 12-string guitar, Steven. Yep, then 15, 18, we'll just keep, we'll just keep adding three <laughs> until you can't hold it anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll just, and after, you know, after that, he starts playing the Zeppelin double guitar album. Just know, play- on, on the follow-up follow album. That's what we got to do. Yeah, so, so thank you to whoever's in Steven Carpenter's life that put the inspiration back into him, because uh, we, we as fans and listeners greatly appreciate getting a pretty fantastic album out of it oh i didn't even talk about probably my favorite track i need to i gotta give you guys something about this i'm pronouncing it as pompeii it's not spelled exactly the same as the famous city but we're just gonna call it that to me that one is definitely a a highlight might be my favorite one on there we i touched on in the seether episode a little bit um but i'm very intrigued by lyrics that ponder faith and that is exactly what it seems to be going on in that one. And and not only that, but the the riff that da na 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 is just really heavy and brutal and I love it. And you know what's funny is that it was probably my least favorite song. <laughs> That's fantastic. I would agree with Dan. <laughs> I it just I mean it was a good song and I didn't like I said, I don't think there was a bad song on, on this album, but like I just that's just it was not my favorite. I think I'm also a sucker for waltzy songs, and that was definitely a, a song that was in the like three four time, and so yeah, kind of appreciated it. But again, I love whenever we listen to stuff and hear different things, and it sounds like we all heard slightly different things on this one, but all came away with like a generally very positive experience either way. Yeah, I agree. It was it was I mean, like I said, I think it was. Uh... Uh, one of you know one of my favorite albums that have come out this year. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah. And, and so we, we really are appreciative to the Deftones that this year has to some degree, kind of like, as far as rock and metal goes, like almost turned into the year of the Deftones. Cause we, you know, we did the white pony celebration. Then we got this, the remix album might be coming out later. And so in what has been just really a pretty garbage year, we appreciate whenever bands can bring some kind of redemption to, to these days. Cause they're, they're difficult days. And then this, this album ohms makes them, uh, makes them a little more enjoyable. Yeah, agreed. And hopefully, uh, with a couple other albums that have come out and some others that are on the horizon that it, it turns around for us as well, for, for at least for our countdown or just all, all rock music in general. I think we might need to make like a Twitter poll or something on some of, on some of this and see, see what others think uh, in terms of favorite tracks on this, since we all kind of landed in, in slightly different spots. I'd be curious to see if there's any general consensus. I'd also like to hear from listeners Dan, you just mentioned that there's a lot of albums coming out or having already come out that we haven't gotten to yet. If you guys have preferences and ideas for what we should listen to and discuss as the year winds down, we would love to hear that. We're quite happy to make up our own schedule, but we're also quite happy to take input. Especially if you guys suggest something that just blows us away. <laughs> and if it's something we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Like we were just talking before the show about new bands, like kind of, undiscovered people that uh they're probably really on the verge of breaking out and so if you got one of those if you got a hot tip on a sweet new band let us know and so thank you all for joining us on this episode on our second deftones episode which we don't promise will be the last one but we promise we'll take a breather (laughs) and uh and we appreciate uh anybody who has who has listened who has uh subscribed followed shared spread the wealth and the word because that's how communities grow. And we want to be contributors to the community of, of rock music and uh, the impact it has on people's lives. Yeah. And I appreciate all the feedback that has been given. I know that a couple of uh, our past shows have, have gone over and gotten mixed reviews and I, I've been loving the feedback and the discussions that have been caused by those previous episodes. And I do continue to welcome any feedback and comments. Uh, just please make sure you're sending it directly to us so that uh, you know, you're know you not uh, trashing our, our site, basically. I hope you've enjoyed our take on the new Deftones album, Ohms. And we do appreciate everybody that's listened and shared our show and, and supported us throughout this entire experience. You've been listening to The Itch Rock Matters. So thank you very much. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Yay, Deftones! <laughs>